Welcome to the High Octane Hour. I'm James. I'm Cooper. And today with us we have Richard. Mad. So, um, met met Richard um, a little while ago, and uh, pretty much thought that if I met him when I was younger, like if we were friends in like my early twenties, we'd both both probably be in jail. Definitely. Yeah. Very like very similar. Like it's just it's pretty wild. Um, he's a good bloke, um, and yeah, he's just interesting dude. Bunch of um, young churchies through Rubens, I assume. No, nah. That's not how you know each other. Nah. No. Um, yeah, with my ex-brother-in-law for for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dad to one of the nephews. Right, right. As well, which is cool. But yeah, um, so one of the things uh, I wanted to get into first was like, what you, what was your martial arts journey? Like, how did it, how did it start? And like, where are we now? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. I guess how it started was getting bullied and being, yeah, really bad at defending myself and having no idea. So getting my ass kicked quite a few times. Um, and I think from that, I thought, you know, if you just project this image that you're tough or crazy, you know, people will leave you alone and it works sometimes, but then it often gets into more trouble as well. So I got my ass kicked a bit more and uh, that carried on for a while. And I actually read a book, um, you know, had a bunch of self-esteem issues and addiction things pop up and was sorting that out and ended up in rehab. And I, I found a, a book in a martial arts store and it was um, by a bouncer called Jeff Thompson called watch my back i think you said you'd great book man. yeah great, great book. book great book it, great that book. was the same yeah. same book that inspired me to get into security because oh, no um same, same sort like literally same story um i got picked on a little bit um and then i was like fuck i'm so scared like i'd done martial arts most of my life but i'm so fucking scared of physical mm. confrontation but to the point of like someone raising their voice made me real nervous, like not even at me in the vicinity. Yeah, right. So like, yeah, then I picked up that book, read it. Um, fucking weird story. You know who gave me that book? Mm. Carl Robertson. Oh, you know Carl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking real weird. Um, I would have put him onto that. I'm pretty who's Carl? Um, you, did you go to school together? Yeah, I went to school together. And then, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Is he a bouncer? Or? No, he's not a bouncer. I went to school together. I was supposed to fight him in a cage, actually. Oh uh, no way! Yeah, and it wimped to warrior thing. But um, holy shit! I went on a bender, and uh, yeah, got kicked <laughs> off the show. As you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, what season? What season? Uh, the first one. Yeah, the first very one. first one. Yeah, very first one. Did you know one. Um, Ryan? Okay, there was a Turkish bloke that was on it from SPMA. Ozcan. Oh no! Oh, the big, big he, dude. He he used to sell BMW. He's a car salesman. Oh, I don't know. He owns a restaurant now. Ozcan, very maybe vaguely. Familiar and apologise to us, Cam, if I can't remember you. He wasn't big. He wasn't big. He's yeah. slightly chubby. Yeah. yeah. Blue belt. Oh, I can't remember. No. How long yeah. ago was that? Would that, that be in about 2013, 2014? Oh, I'm not sure. Definitely like first season. Yeah, first ever one. The, the first ever. Yeah. I remember that. And that was in, you, you'd go to the city and train North like Sydney. 5 a.m., right? Yeah, North Sydney. Yeah, North that's four. it. Yeah. That's it. But, um, yeah. There was a big bearded dude. I think he was a SPMA guy. But yeah, but he got 
yeah, beat up by a dude that used to be like an, he was on the Olympic team for tobogganing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's so crazy. He was a, like he was a yeah high level rugby player. There was a couple of things. How, on is, that show. how is that person a wimp then? Look, there's a there was I'm a trying. few things on that show that was. Uh, I don't want to trash talk, but it was crazy. Nah, fucking do it, bro. Well, look, one guy was an ex-commando. There was me who was still working as a bouncer. I'd had like 200 street fights by that point. Jesus Christ. And then there was um, the fucking toboggan Olympic guy who was also... He had mad leg strength. Yeah, and he, yeah. Was, he was like a national level like rugby player. He was just an athlete. He was oh, a Polynesian fuck. dude. He was a fucking animal. And they oh. put him against this guy that played Dungeons and Dragons and video games. And he was a big unit. But like, just, like an actual wimp. Yeah. He, just, yeah. Oh, he was a big dude. And he was a cool guy, but he wasn't prepared for a fucking Olympic level athlete. You know? <laughs> that, yeah. That was like, <laughs> so that was That's Winter so, Warrior. And he'd been tra- and that guy had been training before as well. But, um, Jesus Christ. And he almost fucking killed him in the car. He just knocked him out, I think, in under a minute. It was pretty ruthless. That's fucking but meanwhile, wild. yeah, I didn't go to the show because I'd gone on a bender and ended up raging at the guy that put the show on. And I don't know, I said some drunken, fucking drugged up, abusive message to him telling him to get fucked because he'd kicked me off the show. And <laughs> it was messy. I was, I'd been given a public order notice by Bondi police because I was sitting in the full lotus position outside Bondi Hotel on a bender. It was, um, yeah, it was a messy time. Well, at least, I mean, that's probably the best position to be sitting in, right? Well, yeah, it was my peaceful protest. Exactly. Because they wouldn't let me into the Bondi Hotel. So I said, well, fuck yes, I'll go do my, my sit-in on Bondi Road. And, yeah, nice. And then I ended up explaining to police that I'd just, um, that day, been told I couldn't fight and so I'd relapsed and hadn't drunk in a year. And yeah, they, they were actually quite understanding and nice, you know. <laughs> they just said, don't yeah. come back here for 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I think I jumped in a car and drove to the cross and continued the bender, which was, you know, pretty horrible. So for you, I mean... So read the book. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. And I think I, read, I tried yeah. getting into martial arts time to time, but there was a key piece in that book that just taught it's not supposed to be easy and if you just stick at it, you, you'll get better at it, you know, and, and do it because you're scared, do it because it's hard. And that was the piece I was missing. I always realised, I thought I was just bad at everything because I didn't understand that you're supposed to suck at something if you've never done it before. You know, and I thought you're supposed to be able to just get on a skateboard and be able to fucking skateboard. And I'd try getting on a skateboard and I'd fall off and think, well, I can't skate, you know. And, and I didn't understand that one little piece that, well, you're supposed to suck. And if you keep doing it, you'll eventually get better. And you can make that process easier by getting coaching and training partners and, you know, learning how to learn. And I think that book gave me that. So, I, yeah, so I went to, yeah, started down that path. And then I got into, like, the reality-based stuff and decided I wanted to test myself. And that's why I went into security and... Yeah. But where did it <clears throat> where did it actually start? Did you do a bit of boxing or uh, karate or Yeah, SPMA. No, Aikido, sorry. Aikido with a, a guy, um Peter Peter or Andrew Andrew Santo, I think, in um oh, Yoshinkai Aikido in Petersham. And I was doing that for about four months and I um I got in an argument and realized and it was it almost it didn't become a fight, but I I I realized even though I'd been training for four months, I didn't know what the fuck to do. And I was about to get in a fight and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. And I'd been training for four months. Like his hands are moving. I can't grab his wrist. Yeah, like. I was just like, like, what am I doing here? And I just remember thinking, wow, that was shit. <laughs> but, and then I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then I was really getting to the... Is that where you... Did you go to SPMA? Yeah, SPMA is to start with. Concord, Moorbank. Concord, yeah. Concord, I was upstairs yeah. in Concord. What yeah, year was that? Just, oh, fuck, I have no idea. That'd have to be 15, 20 years ago. What's what, I'm 38, it would have been like 22, 21, 22. So what's that, 17 years ago? So that's probably, that's right when they started, yeah. just, just after no, they, they would, started. They were going for a while. And mm. I think, yeah, Elvis had been fighting in the UFC. Or, but I think uh, Anthony hadn't started fighting in the UFC yet. 
So it was in that little window. They're the two toughest motherfuckers of mm. you can imagine. But uh, and then I got into the reality stuff. So I was tra- jumping on a train to Campbelltown, and there was a a guy, Rob Gear, who was teaching like karate. It, in hindsight, it was a bit Mickey Mouse and a waste of my time, and I should have just stuck with SPMA. But at you know, at the time, I thought I was you know it was cutting edge. But Why was it one of those like advertised one of those schools like reality based self defense? Yeah, like, a little bit. Learn how to kill someone with your hands, that sort of shit. Yeah, a little bit. It was traditional karate. It was kind of he'd been a in the military police. There was some good stuff there, but it was still kind of like crap, you know. Not to trash talk crap, my guy, but no, please do. Yeah. Because every every crab guy I know, they always fall back to this, like, crab doesn't have competition because it's <laughs> yeah. too fucking deadly. I'll fucking, I'll fucking kill anyone, man, well, with my fucking yeah. crab. Don't forget, yeah. uh, Diego Sanchez hired a coach named Joshua Fabia that taught him deadly techniques that could have killed his opponent. So, really? we're lucky we didn't see any of those. Exactly. Yeah, yeah well, know, luckily... There's none of those yeah. crab guys in the octagon the de- either. Yeah, dim mac. That's dim mac. Your deft touch. Yeah. That's it. Well, it was a little dim mac, you know. But um, again, in hindsight, it was bullshit because it was just not effective pressure testing, and it was that whole okay, you're gonna eye gouge them or rupture their testicles, tear their ear off. I've learned since, you know, it's just stupid because you're probably more likely to get in a fight with your drunk brother-in-law or your fucking, you know, some old guy at a bus stop than you are a roided up bikey. So you. You know, rupturing your brother-in-law's testicles isn't really a nice thing to do at the family <laughs> yeah, barbecue. Yeah, you know? yeah so, I know. It's like, yeah. you, whereas like you can just like sit on top of them. That's yeah, why jiu-jitsu is great. Like, jiu-jitsu wall. gives you options, you, you know. Kiss you, you can yeah. control them, you can submit them if you need to. You can put, give them a nap or you can break the fucking arm. <laughs> so mm. you've yeah. got that, that range, which I think is cool. I love jiu-jitsu. I think it's the best, you know. Yeah, so... So, you, so yeah, SPMA really helped yeah. with that. Um, when, when you were at SPMA, that was around what two thousand five, two thousand six. Must have been. I've got ADHD, so I'm really shit with dates and my timelines. Do, do you remember? Do you remember any of the fighters there at that time? Bet- there was a Canadian dude. Um, yeah, Jesse. Jesse, Jesse Landry. Yeah, 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 Jesse, yeah. he's yeah. got a podcast now. Yeah, actually, does he? Too. Yeah, Landry yeah, he Audio. Man, is a nice dude. Yeah, yeah, charismatic guy. I could see him doing podcasting. It was him. Oh man, I'd be clutching at straws there was dean the little muay thai trainer he was a weapon dean vela dean yeah so bald head or bald head, yeah. looks like a bit of it looks like a pirate <laughs> bro he yeah. looks like a fucking bikey what about uh was yeah. mickleff there steve mickleff at that time oh, or i'm not sure man the, the sorry maybe uh yeah so little gymnast was, girl yeah well she was dating was it elvis i think she, anthony. anthony 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 sorry yeah yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that yeah do you, were you guys training then I came in at about 2012. Mm-hmm. I came in 2010 or 11. But Anthony's married now. Mm-hmm. And I think he might be having a kid. Too sorry or no? Nah, different <laughs> no. different lady, different no. lady. That that did cause drama. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. There was ma- massive dramas about that, actually. Yeah. Which is uh, hilarious. I don't know much about the politics. But nah, then, nah. I nah. started working at the Ivy at a nightclub and... Um, the head of security there was a guy, Philippe Gros, and so I ended up kind of switching and going to train with him, which, um, yeah. And he, he was opening up the school, and it was just like five or six of us in this shitty little room next to a pub in Chippendale, and we'd put the mats down before class, and everyone was either a bouncer or, or yeah, one guy was like head of a CrossFit school, and just animals, man, and just tried to kill each other every day. That sounds it amazing. A, it was the best. It was the best. I haven't seen many gyms like it then or since. And it's just so, what was it like? A little function hall, or no? It was just a, it was a room. It was a. I don't know what it would have been. Um, maybe it was a shop, but the the shop front had been painted black. 
It was the like the shittiest room you could imagine. I think he was paying like 25 bucks a week or something ridiculous. Amazing. His mate owned the pub next door. And um, yeah, like, like yeah, junkies would walk in and steal people's phones. And it was just... Smart. It, <laughs> it was such a shit. It adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. It was like a crappy room, but it was... Yeah, just some killers came out of that gym, you know? Some real killers came out. Yeah, but there was only... Yeah. Is that guy running a school now? Um, he's, he's focused more on security stuff. So yeah, security specialist and teaches a lot of good stuff and yeah, good dude. He sort of, he recently did a jujitsu summer with Jocko Willenick in Australia and he's done some cool things, but more teachers seminars and kind of he's, yeah, Philip grows. He's good to really good to change my life, you know, so change my life. And yeah. Yeah. Helped me. I was still pretty loose at the time. So he had patience with me. Like I'd, I'd be going well, then I'd relapse, you know, I had a lot of issues with alcohol and drugs and stuff. So I'd, I'd go on benders and I'd just disappear for two weeks or a month and he'd just shoot me these little casual messages, mate, when he coming back. And, you know, I don't think there's many coaches out there that would have been as patient with me and, you know, someone that just disappears every couple of weeks and I'd win a comp and then I'd disappear for three months and, yeah. So Were you competing in jiu-jitsu at the time? Yeah, jiu-jitsu, just a little bit under him and won a couple of things. But yeah, in the gi? Uh, yeah, I think gi, no gi. Most of our training was no gi, but I think I've, yeah. I've won in both and... Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I love no gi more. It's more yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Translates a bit better to MMA. The future. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I know. You know yeah, love the gi more? No, 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 I love no gi, yeah. but just not that um, cross between uh, MMA. Plus, I don't I don't really like gi in the fact that um, a lot of jackets and stuff don't have that triple stitching on, on a collar. Mm. So, like, you try and pull on it, like... The whole the whole jumper jumper or jacket will go with it unless it you've got the denim jacket mm-hmm. like you're wearing now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but I can still get that on you, or I can get that. Yeah, but it's see for how those it, that can't see. But see how it's not grabbing um, James' wrist. Yeah, but see how it's not like a pearl weave, like you know how there's so much give in it. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a bit hard to make stuff work, and like choking someone with it would be a bit harder as well. That's why. I've been in a lot of like, you know, call them street fights or mostly in security, but shirts just fucking explode. Like mm. you don't know how, <laughs> just shirts, cotton shirts just explode. Yeah. You, you can't remember someone grabbing you there, but there's like holes in the back. and Yeah, Pakistan yeah. don't make them like they used to. <laughs> yeah, or the v- Vietnamese. Hello, sir. Would you like some good quality gays? <laughs> yeah, that's it. They sell gays on Facebook as well. They always try and contact you for rash guards, like people from Pakistan and shit. Is it wish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever ordered anything off Wish? Or? Nah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want it. There's a part of oh, me yeah. that just wants to, but yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've oh, seen some. Coward. No, so I've had, um, I had a knife taken off me at the airport, yeah. and I was like, I know this is legal. You can buy this in Australia, and then they're like, No, you can't have it. But I was like, All right, here you go, whatever. I didn't get in trouble for it. Yeah. I, just, I saw it on Wish the next day. I don't know. If no, I, you didn't. I saw it on Wish the next day. <laughs> When I came back from Thailand, there's a hustle going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw it on Wish. I'm like, order, done. It was like a uh, that Korean bit. Wait, was it the same one that you got taken off? Or was it a similar one? Exactly the same. So it was the it one. It was Korean bit. Yeah. It was your knife. No, 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 not. Mo- oh, no, that's what I thought would happen. That's yeah. I thought there was a side I, hustle. I, I thought that's what yeah. Customs. Yeah, border force doing a mad fucking hustle. Yeah. My my sister worked for customs um, in Canberra for a little bit, but she said there's a, they've got a room downstairs where they keep all like the the good con- shit yeah just the funny uh, contraband but there was this 
uh, taxidermy armadillo with a cowboy hat and vest and little six shooters. Amazing. That is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> she, went, <laughs> amazing, amazing. she went down there, people were like, did you see the armadillo? Amazing. So somewhere in a bunker in Canberra is this little armadillo cowboy. With six That's shooters. amazing. I know. Yeah, wow. Cool. So it gives me ideas for my cat. <laughs> Not, give her about 10 years. Yeah. You're going to taxidermy your cat? I, I like I, I like the the, the six shooter idea. Mm. Yeah, be cool. The big iron. Yeah, big iron. Yeah, so I think I was, I was with Philippe for a bit. Um, for a while, I got my purple belt off him, but then I've also gone off on little tangents. Had a boxing fight. Um, was out living out Blacktown. Did a lot of bit of wrestling for guys Stefan Yagi out there. Um, yeah, so I've kind of yeah little was on that Wim Tawara show for a bit. So I've kind of yeah, haven't had a MMA fight, but. Um, just done little bits and pieces, you know. I was, I was, I've been set a couple of times to have MMA fights and then just, yeah, injuries or relapsed or just whatever. It happens, man. Yeah. It's, now, um, now I'm 38, pushing 40, just wondering. If, would you, is it something you'd still be interested in doing? I don't know, man. Like, uh, <coughs> one of my best friends was um, champion level boxer, was knocked out in Russia, was out for seven minutes. Um, I ended up, yeah, sharing a house with him and, yeah helping him a bit in some ways but it let me see a different side of it and i remember just saying yeah. to myself you know i don't ever want to do that to someone or have that done to me there's a seriousness to it to combat sports that i think it's not a fucking sport like i said this to that carl robinson i remember leading up to it he goes oh it's just a sport to me it's not a sport like i don't think mma is a sport i think it's, it's different and there's it can fuck you up psychologically and physically and there's you know it's not a sport like I think You're not playing badminton, you know, or soccer. It's different. I think um, it's 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 kind of scary as well because a mm. lot of coaches and a lot of fighters don't actually realize what's happening to them, mm. and um, and for the ones that it does happen to, they they're kind of scared to talk about it as well. Mm. So like um, to people that have had bad head trauma or post concussion syndrome or have been yeah. knocked out, it's like you know what that's like, and then you almost. Um, you almost feel like you should be strong enough to get through that and just accept that as a part of your life. Mm. But it's 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 extremely unhealthy and and it's kind of scary. Yeah, it changes changes the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, and it, there's a compound effect to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's crazy about that is there isn't more education around that in mm. in gyms and and in coaches. Yeah, and um, I think it's just kind of swept under the rug. That's the kind of feeling that I that I've that I got about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it sort of ties into that. Harden up, harden up. I think yeah, it's happening though. And I think the way people train is ha- you know changing and yeah. But yeah, I guess um I guess if it doesn't happen in rugby, you mm. know what I mean. It's it's probably gonna. T- you know what? I feel like MMA is a bit more forward thinking, but this yeah. isn't the only sport that it happens. Rugby's in. worse, man. Like yeah, yeah. I was working with a I teach yoga and I was working with a a yoga. Um, mentor or whatever but she's been a physio for 25 years and she goes the impact on the body for rugby players they're like having a car accident every weekend yeah you know it's um it's pretty brutal yeah i think um i think rugby and boxing Mm. like i don't know how to solve that problem with mma because it's more dynamic you can get away with more things in training Mm. but when you're boxing even just training or you or you're playing rugby it's it's really hard to sort of manage that aspect Yep. I don't know. I feel like personally, if you're going to do it, do it for a while. And then once it starts happening and it starts affecting your life, you should probably step away from it or at least try and understand what's going on so you can make that decision yourself. When you look at the stats, it's pretty scary. So if you've had two or three amateur boxing fights, like your, your chances of developing like later dementia, 
um, Parkinson's, other kind of degenerative brain disorders. It's it's fucking crazy. Like, it goes through the roof. And they know that. The stats are, like, they know that. You know, it's, yeah. I think um, if, and and if you're talking about, like, let's talk about mental health and addiction and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, a lot of people that find themselves in these sports, um, like, some of them come from that, that similar background, that quite chaotic background, mm. like maybe there's substance abuse there or there's mental health issues. So it's like if you throw concussion and head trauma into the mix, it can just exacerbate everything. 100%. Yeah. I'd say, look, 25 to 50% would have undiagnosed ADHD because, you know, you're going, it's like, we're all fucking nuts. You, you reckon fighters? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Man. Well, my, <laughs> we're missus, <all> <laughs> my missus is trying to convince me that I've got ADHD and I'm yeah. like, I'm pretty sure I don't. Yeah. Like, and she's like, maybe you should get it checked. I'm like, nah, I think I'm fine. Like, I, I reckon it's just like social media and stuff and the way everything What's, is. But look, it, it's, it's not. It's real. Um, yeah, it's real. It's real. What it's are like the yeah. told tale things about it? Because I've got like one of my one of my good mates is like my brother. Like, he's gr- I've known him since <laughs> yeah. I was 13. He's got ADHD, Michael Ali. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, I know he's got ADHD. You know what I mean? I know. I like... Um, like, I don't feel like I have that. Well, it's, it's about 5 to 10% of the population, you know? So th- there's a few things. So it's now you've got kind of the hyperactive aspects and then the inattentive aspects or people have combined. So there's three types of ADHD, either inattentive, um, hyperactive or combined. So most people will be combined or inattentive. You'll see more in like the women. But it's this, uh, your brain works a little differently. So, you know, everyone's got a theory, but it's, one is that we're kind of the, you know, the warrior, hunter, gatherer kind of brain. And then we didn't, we just like refused to fucking adapt to sitting on a balcony, planting seeds and watching, watching the grass grow. And so we haven't changed into that pharma kind of brain chemistry, what you'd call neurotypical. So you, you kind of see things like, in terms of what does it show up as, like some forgetfulness, uh, you could have large amounts of energy, you could be highly like intuitive or creative, uh, possibly more sensitive maybe you you lose your temper a bit differently to other people Uh, but it's usually going to affect like at least a couple of areas of your life um yeah in ways and it's around what's called executive function so your ability to organize time management that kind of stuff uh motivate yourself or it's this impulse control so you know you know you shouldn't eat the whole block of chocolate when you have two pieces but fuck it (laughs) it tastes good and so you keep going um yeah without taking the podcast there i can i can run you through um, no, hundred percent. Run through yeah, it. Go for it, bro. Well, I'll take you through a test one day, but um, won't do it online. But but I would say things like, you know, do you feel you're you're living up to your potential at the moment? Never. You know. But I I always feel like I've got like really high aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always trying to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to do like the best I can, the most I can. Do you ever make like little mistakes on like a big project or like once the kind of challenging bits are done, you kind of lose interest or you just make I find it's very, very like it's extremely hard to be focused on something that isn't very, very interesting to me and challenging. That's why I felt like I could only really concentrate and my life was only going really well when I had like fights lined up because there was like a really, really intense aspect to it. And I felt like I needed that intensity just to focus so someone with ADHD, if a task isn't interesting, urgent, um, dangerous, or like risky, yeah. or kind of, you know, or it's really like an exciting, 
we don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, we've got um, less access to dopamine and less dopamine so receptors. That's, I did the yeah. genome testing and I found mm-hmm. out that my brain does have less dopamine in it. Mm-hmm. But I see, I don't know. So, of course, ADHD probably exists on a spectrum. Mm. And like. So, so it's funny, right? So, I've, I've yeah. got a, um, did a grad cert in Ayurveda for a few years. And oh, awesome. They'd call it like deranged Vata. So, they break people into these different constitutions yeah. and they'd call it that. You know, there's, there's a word in. Um, uh, um, New Zealand culture, Ma- Maori culture, apparently, that's like for scattered minds. So they've got a definition for this ADHD kind of brain chemistry. Like different cultures would call it different things, um, but it's it's just a different brain chemistry. And now we know with like scans, that's what it's real. It's it's very well researched. And um, the, the thing is that there's things you can do to treat it, and it's around self-regulation because. It's not an attention deficit like most people think it is. It's an attention inconsistency. And so it's this inability to kind of focus or choose what to focus on and for how long. Because parents will say, my kid can't have ADHD. He can play a video game for 16 hours straight. Yes. And, and, yeah. and, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. I got I that feel, a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like so. a lot of yeah. people are like that, right? Because yeah. these games well, are designed to like 100%. pump dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So I can do that shit all day. I can do MMA all day. Yeah. If there's a project I'm interested in, shit, I'll be on that all day. Mm. But yeah. But that can cause problems too because then you go into this rebound or this like almost like a hangover because you've fatigued yourself because you now have hyper-focus because that's the other side of the coin of ADHD. You've got this ability to hyper-focus and that's why we're the ultimate soldiers and warriors because we can hike for three days without food or water. Or we can you know, train for four hours straight or these sorts of things. But that then you've overworked your brain and stuff. So it's right. if you work with a coach or someone like myself, it's um, learning how to start tasks, finish tasks, learning how to you know how to plan, do all these things, and consistency. Because the problem is like again, we're higher than average intelligence, super creative, heaps of energy, but we struggle to pay a phone bill on time because it just doesn't seem fucking important. Right. Like most well, neurotypical people, they've got like a timeline in their brain. Where it's like last year, last month, last week, yesterday, today tomorrow next week next month next year kind of thing we've if you've got adhd you've got like right now and then everything else and everything else is just up in the bloody air somewhere until it's close enough to right now it just doesn't seem important mm. maybe and, there's something i should look into eh? well, yeah. one, one, <laughs> one thing that really sparked my interest that you said um was like i can't sit down and like people have given me like self-help books and shit like that can't fucking bo- be bothered to read them yeah. but if you put a book that's based around like survival or military history. I'll mm-hmm. read the whole thing, yep. but like anything that has to do with like increasing your financial worth or something. Yeah, but shit who like gives that. a fuck about that? You know what I, I mean? No, that's what I mean. But uh, so this is where this yep. is where I, I I find it really like gray, and I find it quite confusing because um, the way that the world is designed now, and if you look at the way like ads are now. Like ads are generated for younger people. Yep. It's like ads aren't like a minute long on TV. It's like a three to five second thing on like Instagram mm-hmm. or like a YouTube ad, right? Like um, the world is designed to grab our attention. Attention mm-hmm. is a finite resource and the people that can grab the most attention are the most successful. Like the people that can foster the most attention from you. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've like, yeah, there are people that are born with it and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But I think a lot of people have developed this as well. It, it seems to be increasing. So and, and I don't know like, okay, how do you know if you've like got it or if you're born with it or if it's a brain chemistry thing or if it's like just a behavior that you've grown, it's an environmental thing. So it seems to be increasing and they're not sure if it's because of the 
stimulus overstimulation now of Western cultures, or is it the diet's really shitty, or is it they're not getting enough exercise? Or the chemtrails? <laughs> Possibly. So it's all these things that do exacerbate or make the symptoms worse. And the biggest thing for like if your kid with ADHD is how productive or how much it will impact them is the parenting style. So you could argue that parenting is getting less detached and less hands-on as well. So all these factors that do Im- impact ADHDs, we're seeing more kids with ADHD, but then it's also getting recognised in schools earlier and more effectively too. So people are like, well, is it? Has it always been the same? Because we know cross-culturally it's around 5 to 10%. Well, they say 5 to 7, but um, I'd say 5 to 10 because it's a spectrum. People will argue a little bit, but roughly 7% of kids um, have it. Now it's cross-culturally. So there was articles recently saying, oh, well, in France they don't have ADHD. They fucking do. It's cross-culturally. Every culture has the same kind of um, contingent of this neurodiverse called ADHD uh, brain chemistry um, but yeah it's a spectrum but we need to move away from this idea that oh well it means you're a you know a naughty boy dysfunctional adult can't do anything right mm. now that was me I did tick those boxes <laughs> but not everyone does so I'm so, working with clients yeah. that were like high level banking executives you know you got so I love selling this you go to any kind of ER in the country you're going to find a higher proportion of ADHD people now they're going to be the people that have had accidents and like fallen off a roof or a surfboard or a skateboard or whatever and they're also going to be the the surgeons and the nurses that feel comfortable and normal in that high intensity environment because we just gravitate towards jobs like first responders this is where i say you walk into a martial arts gym overrepresented for adhd any day of the week because i've seen it you know so is it just like a natural pull to like danger you reckon well again if something's not risky interesting exciting or urgent we don't want to do it and so yeah anywhere you're going to find like go to a skydive like a lot of my clients are skydiving instructors or you know different kinds of yeah like where you go to the x games and you'll find more ADHD. have you done a float tank uh, i haven't no but a friend has because i want to see how you go on a float tank i've i've avoided them because i just feel that would be my worst nightmare to like lock myself in a box for so I, yeah. I did one in Thailand. I yeah. lasted about 10 minutes yeah. and I was fucking By yourself or? Yeah. Why would you go with someone else? Can you go in a little... There's ladyboys in Thailand. <laughs> in the float yeah. tank. I've yeah. done a couple's float yeah. with my missus. Oh. It was hectic. Pussy whipped. Yeah. It was hectic, bro. But the, the water's really salty. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like... Competitive. Yeah, yeah. Did you don't, make it saltier? Don't get in your dick hole. That's what I'm trying to say. So you don't don't piss in there and open up your your urethra. Don't open up your your urethra for any reason in yeah. a salty um, pool. I was actually given a voucher to go do one, but I just the idea of sitting still, you know. And, and look, I meditate, I do yoga, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, but there's like an escape. It, it's hectic. Is that is that why it's it was still a cool? trip? It was a trip for me. Mm. I was hallucinating and everything. Yeah, I me. loved it. It was it yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's funny, um, I'm not going to mention the place, but I told I told a guy who runs one here in Sydney about it. And he's like, look, if you want to try it and you're naturally pretty hyperactive, try it with ketamine. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> he's like, if you do a bit of ketamine, it's actually... Yeah, it, it might work out for that, you. Might. That's that's one of the drugs I've... Um, I never actually ended up trying, eh? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think um, I heard... Good about- old horse tranks? I, I think I just there, there's something that there, there was something about it that I just decided that I don't ever want to do that. Like it just didn't appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. But there were people around me that had done it, and um, I just because you hang out with Asians, bro. It just never really came into my path. But um, 
there's more and more. So they're using a lot of ketamine-assisted therapies in the states now for, yeah, for, for recovery and people getting off addictions. Just to finish on the, on the ADHD thing, right? Like, if you've got it, you know. Now, yes, it's a spectrum. It means there's some benefits and there's some drawbacks. It, they'll look for is it affecting your life negatively in two areas and has it done so for a period of time. But if it is, the research it's one of the most treatable disorders in the DSM five and. The impact you can have by getting proper treatment, whether that's medication or coaching or the mindfulness stuff or planning, it's it's massive. So it's one of the most treatable and you know, positively impactful disorders that you can actually, you know. So if you think it might be there, it's worth checking out. It's really simple to kind of, you know, there's online tests. You can work with a coach or go to where, a psychiatrist. Yeah. Where do you, um? where can you find these? Um, Just Google like ADHD tests, AD, attitude, A-double-D-I-T-U-D-E. Is a, they've got some good ones. They're American-based thing. That'll just give you like a 10-question little thing you can do and that'll be enough to then go see your GP. He'll give you a referral to a psychiatrist and that's the official diagnosis kind of thing. And do you do coaching, do you? Yeah, I do coaching, ADHD coaching, okay. recovery coaching. Okay, yeah, okay. Relationship. Oh, okay, awesome. So are you... Um, is that like, um, are you like a psychotherapist or a counselor? Uh, yeah, counselor, counselor, coach. We've got a bachelor's in counseling, coaching. And That's I've got amazing. A bunch of diplomas and different things. Yeah, I was doing it to fix myself, you know, to try and figure out why I had this, you know, kamikaze death wish where I could be good at some things and good at work and good at training. But then I just had this kind of part of me that was self-destructive. And, and again, I've come to realize it was this underlying untreated ADHD. And, and then there's some trauma stuff and all that other jazz, but all the good stuff, but... Yeah. How long? Um, so I, um, I was actually, I was actually in rehab in uh, when, when did I go to rehab? Fifteen. Two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. End of two thousand seventeen, and one? I went to Wesley. Wesley in Ashfield. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, which was like paradise mm. compared to a lot of them, right? Yeah, I went to a fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not Wesley. Um, yeah, I was special pretty, place. Wesley Private. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was so I was lucky. Like they, um, I, my mate actually helped me get in. One of my training partners. Yeah, and um, I, they were like, "Yeah, you're not covered. It's gonna cost blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Look, don't worry about it. I'm not gonna go." And they called me back and they're like, nah, you really need to fucking come Yeah. based off what I was doing. Yeah, right. And then, um, yeah, I got out after four weeks and like now I'm fucking, I mean, I've, I've been up and down with it, obviously, mm. but now I'm like fucking nearly three years clean, which yeah, for me right. is a huge deal. Dude, it's, um, it's a huge deal for anyone. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. And, and since then, like I was introduced to the NAs and the CMAs yeah. and all that. And I actually... Um, I met a guy at the gym that I was working at back when I was managing a gym and he came in and he was, he was an addict and I, I took him to a meeting and I helped him out here and there and he was on the heavy antipsychotics and stuff. So he was fucked, you know, no dopamine, nothing. He, he had no energy. Um, and I didn't, I didn't hear from him for about a year and then he just six months and then he just sent me a message the other day. Because he had the sober timer app, I told him to get the sober timer app, and he yeah. just sent me a message that said one year. Oh man! With a picture time. of his daughter on it, I was like, "Fuck, man!" So good. Yeah, I was like, "That was that's awesome, dude." Addiction's brutal, you know. And same thing, a lot of links between ADHD and addiction, because you, you're trying to spike your brain chemistry. Um, so there's a few things you've said already, man. That's definitely worth following up. And, you know. 
maybe I should. Maybe I should. And we need to move away from this stigma <laughs> that it's a bad thing. Yeah. Like it just is what it is, you know? And it's yeah. like if yeah, it's some, there. Yeah. Some humans are just built different. Yeah. We know there, James is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many vaccines, bro. But yeah, it sounds like yeah, perfect guys. I will take and take you through the little questionnaire and that'll give you a good Yeah. That's that's the one that New South Wales psychiatrists will do and yeah, it's cool. It's good shit. There's a lot of benefits that come to it as well. You know, it means you can hyper focus. It means you're creative. It means you're intelligent. Usually, really good looking. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huge wangs. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It's in the kind of top five criteria. Yeah, the boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I How think about... Angus has got it. So, uh, so, what a huge wang or ADHD, bro. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about him though. We, we call we, it X Factor. You know, we, we did a walkout at a gym. Yeah. Um, that he was working at. Okay. Oh. Um, look, so I, I was managing a, a facility, um, a big box gym that also included martial arts programming. So I brought on a bunch of coaches and we ended up creating this really successful kids program and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, they, they, um, they mistreated us. They, they were really bad by the end of it, really toxic. And then I'm yeah. just like, all right, look, fuck this. Like I've got to go for my own health. And um, James came with me and a few of the other boys. Like the boy, all the boys that the came on, like the actual boys. Like, <laughs> sorry, because there was like a little personal joke in there. I need to explain. It. Like all the boys left, yeah, and then one of them stayed. And mm. like, I'm not abandoning my students. I love them. But to be fair, like they're not going to remember you in like two years, bro. Nah, nah. Like I respect that. Like it meant so much to him, and he gave them so much, and he's such a good coach. You sound like a fucking simp. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, to be fair, I wanted to cause as much damage as possible to that gym, but I think Angus is the more rational one. It's tough, eh? Sometimes knowing when to like to go Genghis Khan and when to yeah, do yeah. the higher road and be turn the other cheek and Martin Luther kind of. Yeah, that's it. It's tough. Life. So you said you um, you had trouble with addiction and that sort of stuff and, and yep. martial arts sort of helped you. Look, it did. I think martial arts one of the first things to help build some some kind of base or semblance, resemblance of like self-esteem. And uh, yeah, so it was really helpful. Um, but I also look, looking back, I kind of found a way to get paid to re-traumatize myself. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was like my, my whole times. plan was like, oh, if, if I can beat addiction working in nightclubs, I can beat it anywhere. Like what kind right, of fucking right. ridiculous idea is yeah. that? Like uh, even reading Watch My Back, I read it a few, couple of years ago and I remember seeing like, who the fuck would read this and think it's a good idea to go and, you know, do that. It's just, yeah. Like after you read about him, like fucking seeing people get glassed and shit like that. Yeah. Like one of the th- main things that they do in England is because you know how they serve everything in jugs and it's got a massive glass handle. Yeah. They break it so that it's just a blade then after that. And they like stab people. It's fucked. fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked. You're, you're reading that. You're reading that in a book and you're like, there's some water. Bottle of water. Um, you're reading that and you're like, this does not sound great. Um, why do I want to do this as a job? And then people still do it. Yeah. But at the yeah. time I'm reading it, just thinking, wow, I can... And again, it's that this piece of... Don't have to go through life feeling like a coward. Um, yeah, just do it. Yeah. I, I was going to be a nurse at the time. I, was, I quit that and went and worked at the pub up the road, the Marlborough Hotel in Newtown. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So silly. But um, yeah. And then, yeah, fast forward 10 years, I'd end up having hundreds of fights and train different things and yeah continue to study and try to own a bodyguard for a little bit and it's cool it's good yeah anything fun um 
yeah, it was fun, man. It was, there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of, learned a lot about myself, learned how to say no to pretty girls. I think that was a good skill to learn. Like, just how to Why are you looking at me, bro? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So I think, um, and this is the confidence aspect. Like, I, I'm, I'm very confident in violent things, you know? Like, I can, you know, keep my cool. I know, yeah. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to, whatever. Yeah, very efficient. What's some of the funniest situations you've been in? I remember, um, so many. I was uh, Marlborough Hotel. I don't know if this is funny. My my walk, my sense of humor is a bit warped. So oh, sorry, I was. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but um, this guy was really loose downstairs, and he's not trying to fight me downstairs. I'm dragging him up the stairs, but halfway up, I remember seeing his the leg on his right leg on his jeans. Like it just started like this weird wobbly, and his fucking leg popped out the bottom of the jeans. So he had a prosthetic leg. <laughs> It was so bad. And so I'm at the top of the stairs and this guy's trying to put his leg back on in the jeans. So he's trying to get the prosthetic leg in the bottom of the jeans. And this crowd of people are starting to gather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I they, look like, I'm like just, let go of him. Yeah, Why I, are you doing that? It was me and this, this Islander guy, um, Watson, and we're both standing there and the crowd's just going, what are you doing to him? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> Why are you picking on him? Yeah. He's only got one leg. Yeah. yeah. But, um, it was a shotgun leg though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So stuff yeah. like that. Like working at the Ivy, they'd have um, yeah, like video footage of just like a blooper reel. I remember seeing this girl. She was walking you know that big flight of stairs, the entrance at the Ivy. Ivy when yeah. you go in and turn right. Yeah, yeah. When you're going mm. up, and she's walking down. She's holding onto the rail, and she trips because she's holding the rail. She kind of pivots into the wall, and like, tr- and then hits her face on the wall, and then falls backwards. Oh no! I know it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> And again, their, their highlight reel is the greatest. Like just seeing girls lean back and their hair catching on fire, girls falling into the pool. Amazing. Like just, yeah, pretty funny stuff. Like people like sneaking into fire escapes where there's cameras and just like sleeping with each other, having sex with each other. And just, yeah, just chaos. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like 10 years in security, you just see so much ridiculous stuff. Like, yeah, I was talking to people recently and um, like who who thought that up? You know, let's... Let's get a room full of people, pump them full of like a, you know, a drug, <laughs> pump them full of alcohol and drugs and then not, not expect anything stupid to happen. So, yeah. Did you find that uh, 10 years of security, like, did it change the way you felt about people and how they interact at all? Yeah, I think it's hard not to get bitter around people, depending. The industry changed a lot as well and, and I was in more senior roles but the industry is not what it used to be in a lot of ways. And there's the level of kind of, yeah, yeah, caliber of guard or whatever. Yeah. What have you, what have you seen in that 10 years? What, what differences have you seen? I I used to, I see it and what it used to be was a trade. So it was like being a, you know, plumber or a carpenter. It was a trade and there's this set of skills that you'd learn and you do your apprenticeship and you'd learn these skills from other guards passing down and, you know, that oral kind of tradition, you're standing on a door and, you know, they teach you how to do stuff and that's almost gone in a lot of ways. And so now, whereas when I started, you'd have maybe eight or nine solid kind of operators um, working together as a team. Now you've got maybe one or two good guards in a venue and a bunch of shirt fillers and it's just fucked, you know. And so you can't trust the people because we've also created this system now where patrons know if you hit them, they can sue the venue. So they can hit you, you can't hit them back. Um, and I'm not saying you should be able to, but you should be able to defend yourself. But it's 
it's just crazy. But then like guards aren't going to get involved and some will. And it's like, it's just not, but it's, yeah. And look, there are some great guards there too. So I don't want to trash the whole industry, but um, a lot of the powers, and maybe it was a good thing were taken out. So management will do a lot of the removals now. So they'll talk people out, but you've got like a 23 year old Eastern suburb bar manager, like doing a security role. It's just mayhem, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's, bad but um yeah i don't think it's as a good look i think that skill has been lost and that that profession so i think it was a science and there's ways to to de-escalate violence to to read a room a doorman should be like you shouldn't be letting everyone into the venue you know they should be screening the crowd at the door that all this kind of <laughs> me too non-discrimination bullshit it's like well if they're not drunk you've got to let them in well no you shouldn't you wouldn't let everyone into your house so why would you let everybody into the venue you know the way i was taught if, if you do your job properly on the door there shouldn't be any fights inside the venue because you've already screened them on the door you know so that's gone um when you when mm. you say that's gone what do you mean it's just people aren't screening people anymore not in the same way you know because at the slightest thing, what's people discrimination? People are scared to turn people away. Yeah, it's discrimination. There's also a money thing it's too. The money thing, management, like they're all about getting punters in and, you know, and again, like, yeah, it's just. So when you yeah, screen someone at the door, what does that look like? Like, what are you looking for specifically? For me, um, I always ask myself the question, you know, is this person a danger to himself or other people? You know? And then, but there's the other pieces. Are they going to contribute to the energy of the venue? So if you've got someone that's like, poor personal hygiene um you know if they fucking smell and they're sleazy and they're going to walk into a venue and then creep on seven girls in the in the venue thank those, you come again those sorry, sorry. those groups are gonna leave right <laughs> they're gonna cut leave. that out cut that out yeah. they're gonna they're gonna leave and they're not gonna complain to security they're not gonna tell people they're just never gonna come back to your venue yeah you know and so and again there's that aspect of yeah, you don't want large groups of people. You don't want people... If they if someone doesn't have enough common sense to at least pretend to be polite and respectful to you at the door and they're rude or they're obnoxious, then what do you think they're going to do inside to people that aren't, you know, working there or trained? It's like, yeah, so there's little things you can do to kind of just get a vibe for someone, call it, but um, yeah. Right, right. Do you, do you test people as well at the door? Like if you... Let's yeah. say a group of... Let's say you've got a group of like six boys and one or two girls and... Yeah maybe a few of the boys look a bit tough or do you sort of test them a little bit before yeah, they come sometimes. in sometimes? Yeah. Like sometimes I'd, I'd pretend to refuse them just to see how they're going to respond. And if they respond well, like, oh, look, all right, man, cool, but thanks. Well, no, it's all right. Actually, brother, come in, you know. But uh, intox is still the biggest thing you're checking for on a door. So if someone's, you know, obviously consumed too much, but, um, but also just that behavior and attitude can go a long way. And no one does it, right? It's so weird. We're such a weird society. <laughs> like, if you just smile and, like, people, most of us in Sydney, like, they sort of just don't come up and smile and say hello. They just and, yeah. disconnect. Yeah, maybe. And, and maybe they're scared. I don't know. Maybe bouncers are intimidating. usually most bouncers of Bouncers can be pretty intimidating well, to most people, I think, especially young For young me, blokes. when you're... The reason why they have such a negative light is you don't see the bouncer when you're doing well. Hmm. You see the bouncer when you fucked up. Yeah. That's generally what happens. Yeah, look, to I tried fair, to change I, that a little bit, you know. But if I saw James at the, at the door, I'd be pretty fucking scared, man. Fuck yeah. off, dickhead. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared right the now. Nicest He's a scary guy. cunt. Yeah, but people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, but a lot of bouncers are nice dudes too. And, you know, some of the most gentlemen, like down-to-earth great people I've met. But sometimes they're pretending to be an asshole as well. And it's not that they are assholes. They're just being an asshole to that person, which, again, is that screen. But, you know, like I said, it's, um, I think it's a necessary profession 
it's a good profession, but um, yeah, they're not. <laughs> it's there's less respect given to security now than ever before. Like I think it's a fucking it's it's terrible. It's such an overlooked profession. You know, these guys, a lot of them, they, there's no job security. Um, they're getting paid cash, which is kind of cool. You know, which is. Oh, I shouldn't talk too much about that. I don't want to blow up for some people, but no, no we, 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 oh, we security guards don't get paid cash. Everything's on the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the books. But um, it's on the books. But it's in, that piece is interesting though because there's there's no job security by it. Like you make a little mistake, the venue there's no loyalty. Whereas you know you can be the yeah you get turf from the you can the be f- the perfect guard. You upset one person, they write a fucking Facebook comment. That guard will get moved from the venue without any kind of. Due diligence and nothing, yeah. you know. Doesn't well, matter. You've seen that happen. Oh, oh it happens. That's insane. Happens. It's yeah. happened so many times. And look, I do do a lot of. St- did used to do. I'm out of security now, but um, I used to do a lot of stupid shit as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd get fucking bored and I was ADHD, and yeah, yeah. you know, I'd spend half the time picking up girls, and the other half, <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking nuts. And yeah. then I was picking fights and just yeah, having a blast. Like, yeah, but um, yeah, like you've seen, yeah, there's so much. So you've got that right. Then you've got the fact that most of them aren't having any breaks. Um, they're getting spoken down to by management. They're getting abused by patrons. Like I was in a fight. I did go back to do a little bit of uh, security kind of work recently. And, you know, I got pepper sprayed by the cops. <laughs> what the fuck? How did that happen? Uh, I was at a, a venue in, uh, in the city and uh, it, it exploded on the dance floor. There was about 15 Polynesian guys. It ended up being like 30 cops called. The right police were there. Um, I took a dude down on the dance floor. Um, then went out to the side, got another brawl, went out the back, got another brawl, ended up taking a judo flipped a guy on George Street, and then these police uh, riot squads started kneeing him in there. I was restraining him with an arm. Oh. I had a gift wrap. <laughs> I had him gift wrap. Oh, I'm holding, beautiful. I'm fucking holding him yeah. in a gift wrap. The riot cop comes over and starts dropping knees on his head. <laughs> oh, fuck How it. great are cops, eh? Oh, the, the riot cops are fucking <laughs> cowboys, <laughs> man. They, they, I've seen them do some of the most fucked up shit. I reckon <laughs> James make a good riot cop. Yeah. No, but but they they look they talk down about security. It's wild. But uh, but then another guy comes up and just starts fucking letting loose with the pepper spray. So I've just helped restrain it, like arrest a guy, and then they pepper sprayed me. And then I'm out the back with these five guards, five other guards who've been pepper sprayed, and we're putting milk in our eyes with fucking um, what's it called? Like a hank, um, not handkerchief, a, a serviette, dabbing milk in our eyes to get the to. to yeah, make your eyes feel better. I got punched in the eye on the dance floor, so I had a, a red eyeball for two weeks, a, a, a subcortical hematoma, I think it's called. Um, but again, no, no sick pay. I got one phone call on the morning, but there's there's no sick pay. There's no time off. I've read in the, in the news that week um, four officers had been assaulted. I bet you they got counselling. They would have had time off, paid leave. Um, you know, nothing, man, nothing. The venue. I, there was one like smart ass comment about that I, I shouldn't have made a statement about it, you know, because they don't want an incident to come back on the venue, which I didn't. I didn't report it as assault because I didn't want a, the venue to get charged, like, because they get then put in this uh, different register. But, um, yeah, it's fucked, man. It's a fucked industry. But, Do you think that pushes a lot of the good guards out because they're just like, this is becoming too much to handle? If or you want to look at you, stats, so they've been lost for 10 years. They've, yeah, well, they've, look. Uh, and I was traumatized before I got there. But if there's study, a recent study in Italy found there's 40% of the security industry have complex trauma or post-traumatic stress, you know? So, uh, you know, you're pretty much expecting to get aggression, you know? Half half of the industry, and this is an Australian study, half the industry don't feel safe going to work on any given day. There's an average of five um, aggression incidents, violent incidents or aggressive incidents for each guard every year. So you've got a job where 
you pretty much don't feel safe going to work. You're expected to get into some kind of aggression or violent incident. You've got no support. Uh, I think it was like 60% of guards don't feel adequately trained. And then if they, there's no way to kind of process it after it's happened. So you're not trained, you're not prepared for it. You're not supported afterwards. And then you judge badly by the public, by police, as, as you being the instigator. <laughs> like, it's fucking mental. And then, yeah, like I said, but for me, I got to a point where I realized I think it's almost impossible now to do the job safely because they expect you to not use aggression to control an aggressive element. They don't want you to use force, but people are still happy to use force against you. And so it's, it's very hard. Um, and then what I saw, I think the best case scenario now for a venue is they have a guard there. That guard gets the crap beat it out of him. So then on footage, the police show up. Okay, they beat the crap out of the guard. Yeah, they get a different guard next week. But that, that way the venue doesn't get a kind of strike against it or there's no... Like that's the best case scenario. So when the best case scenario for the venue is for the guard to get their, <laughs> the crap kicked out of them. And the guards know that. Um, most of them don't even think about it. They're just... Yeah, there, yeah. You know, and most of the shirt fillers are just there to get a paycheck kind of thing. So it's... You know, and, and they just, there's a lot of ignorance because people don't understand the realities of violence. And the reality of violence is, is that can fucking change the trajectory of the rest of your life. You know, there was a guard at Bar Triple Three. He turned his back, he'd refused someone. This suit punched him in the side of the head. He's now got a steel plate in his head. Like, it's, you know, people just underestimate the realities of it. You know, so trauma can stick with you, you know, for the rest of your life. And, yeah. And we've, again, it was a culture we've forgotten how to how to treat trauma and all that sort of stuff too. So, yeah. It's got, sorry to get a bit serious. And nah, that's it. 100%. It's an issue that needs an overhaul. Um, yeah, and it's, there's some people, good guys out there starting to do that. So, How could you see it changing? Look, it's, it's like the world, you know, everyone's got to take responsibility. Everyone's got to take responsibility for their part of it. You know, patrons should be nicer and more courteous and respectful. There's no need for security. Like there shouldn't be a need for them. Why do you, you know, if people just, it's like barbacks, right? Like, do you really need a person to come up to your fucking table and pick up your dirty glass and go and put it in the thing? Just when, <laughs> mm. you know, just put your own fucking glass back on the, on the thing. It's like clean up after yourself. If people just took responsibility for themselves, if someone bumps into you, you say, sorry, you go, look, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to bump into you. So it's like, cool, everyone be cool and you don't need security, but everyone's not willing to be cool. And so we do need security. But then people don't want to be cool to security, but we're only there because you're not willing to be cool. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like yeah. that goes back into like what I was saying earlier. Like the only time you're really seeing a security guard yeah. is when you're being a dickhead, when you're being loud, when you're being drunk, or you're being a bit like you're roughhousing with your friends and making other patrons feel uncomfortable. And so I think that's where the industry's got to step up and we've got to become better communicators and you've got to be more interaction and be friendly and you've got to set the vibe. So you've got to welcome people in. It's a hospitality industry. So you're a hospitality security guard. So we've got to be hospitable. We've got to say thank you. We've got to go and check on guys. We've got to smile. But they're still, at the moment, you go and do that and people are like, oh, they're kind of freaked out by it. So we've got to shift that to being nice and kind and people will respond. But then the problem is you've also got this percentage of people where you be nice to them, they see that as weakness mm. and then, then makes you vulnerable. And it also takes more energy to be nice and to, mm. you know, if you've got to clear a courtyard, for instance, I used to see this and you ask people five times really politely and not, it's, it's, like it's exhausting to be nice sometimes. And so I think there's a reason why guards have been doing it for 15 years. They just, they jump straight to that move or they are angry or because they're tired. So we've got to learn how to have more energy and, 
be kind, but it can be really hard, man. This is what people don't get about guards. So a guard might snap at him or say, hey, you know, move your glass back. But they've, they've been standing there possibly for six hours. They've asked 2,000 people to, to do the same thing. And then so you say to someone, oh, look, you can't bring your glass past this point. And people go, why? Well, because like, I, I fucking said so. <laughs> yeah. But at the beginning of the night, you go, look, because, you know, because of the legislation on the venue, we just can't have it past this point. But it's a WHS like, risk. And then by the end of the night, you're like, just fucking do just it, all right? Yeah, because yeah. you're tired. You haven't had a break. Yeah. You haven't had a snack. You're a bit hungry. Yeah. You might have had, you know, a dozen people try to fight you. Maybe you just had a fight downstairs. Or so there's all these like blah, 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 going on. And um, we've got to realize that, you know, it sounds so kind of whatever but like there's a human element and you know guards are human and yeah there's you've only got this kind of limited resource of energy and patience and yeah and people push it and there's people that will push it and won't respond to anything other than kind of physical things because that's all they understand you know yeah it's also i find that there's that i'd say maybe a sense of entitlement of like you can't touch me, mate. You fucking, <laughs> you can't fucking touch me. It's like I fucking assure you, I can. Yeah, I still have to. But now again, you've got security companies and venues saying we've got a hands-off policy. No, yes. no hands-on policy. That's dangerous. Well, it's fucking crazy. But they still want you to be able to control someone when that person goes hands-on to you. So it's it's. So you, what's you going on? minimum, you better know how to wrestle, really well, right? 100%. <laughs> and that's 100%. lucky, like fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, if the cunt doesn't, doesn't come up behind you and hit you in the well, head. Here's it, if someone's doing that job and they're not training, I just they're, they're so naive and they just don't understand what can go wrong. And you said you yeah. got shirt fillers. Yeah. Shirt and they don't fillers. train wrestling they or anything. They don't train. They're just there for 20 bucks an hour Fuck. on a back door. Yeah. You know, there's different. Some, some aren't the best. Don't they speak, they don't moonlight speak. on Uber yeah. Eats yeah. sometimes as well. You know, but some, yeah, it's just fucked. But, um, but there's still some good guys. Um, yeah, I'm trying to like not be completely negative towards it, but uh, it's a tough gig. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great job. It's though. hard. Yeah, it's cool, but, but I think you could agree. It's taught me more how to read people and how to like. It's taught me so much. It's just then how do you then use that skill and transition it to business or something? Yeah, like what do at least if the job is shit, can you take something from the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it seems like you have with like counselling. Yeah, and I think, look, security as well, I see it, it's a sales role. So you're selling the person on the idea that it's good for them to go home <laughs> if they've drunk too much. You right, know? right. So it's, you're still learning how to communicate and sell and you're learning how to read read the room and read energy. And yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so I think it's helped me to be a better counsellor and therapist and yeah, all that sort of stuff and just taught me how to be, yeah, yeah, taught me a lot. I, I owe a lot to security and yeah, that's why I do love that profession and... What were your main takeaways from security? Mm. Like the the biggest lessons you got? I guess be prepared sounds a bit. Um, have a plan. Yeah, have a plan. Um, look, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's you, how to be present. There's something. I, I see, uh, when a fight's about to happen, it's the most focused and like zen, like like that. You talk about mindfulness or being present mm. when you you're just waiting for this to happen. There's this kind of it's beautiful, man. Like I actually think violence can be very beautiful, um, and I like. For me, I've had a lot of kind of situations where to be a professional, like to be able to like take someone down that's bigger than you, aggressive, maybe drunk or on drugs, but do it in a way where they're not hurt. 
people around you aren't hurt. We just be so like arm drag, seatbelt, sit them down, arm, gift wrap, you know, knee on belly kind of thing. Or then sit them up, put them to sleep if you need to. You can't do that anymore because you've got a jail for 10 years. But um, if you put someone that? to sleep, you go to jail. Yeah. So about Hey, you're doing think, them a favor. Think it's think in the it, Crimes Act? I think, yeah. So they've brought in. That's so upsetting. Yeah. Uh, especially for jiu-jitsu guys, right? Co- yeah. Causing <laughs> strangle, using strangulation. Bro, to I, make was, someone, I, was know, bank, be, I was banking on that because like. Nah, you got to be aware of this. I, yeah. I'd much rather do that than let someone's head hit the ground. You got to be aware. Yeah. This is the crazy thing, right? So. So I can't even put someone to sleep. A few years ago, they changed the legislation where it's intentional, I think it's asphyxiation or loss of consciousness through blood or, or airway. This is not good. You can do up to 10 years. So it's uh, That's fucked yeah. up. So what well, am I meant to do? Well, heel hook? <laughs> heel hook, man. Tear their ACL. Yeah. I mean, all right, judge. Let me yeah. tear his ACL. That's going to affect him for the rest of his life. Or yeah. I can put him to sleep for 30 seconds yeah. and go to jail for be, 10 years. And he'll be fine in like to go home. That's really fucked yeah. up. That's crazy. Yeah. So I've choked out at least almost 100 people on the doors. But um, over, yeah, <laughs> That's fucking crazy, years. dude. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, what, what's your, what was your go-to? Rear naked choke? Or? Seatbelt, yeah. Seatbelt, like arm, arm drag, seatbelt. So naked. arm drag, bang, and just standing or? Uh, usually I'd sit them down and I'd give them a chance. Oh, you pull like, them down, yeah. Like, sit them down, have like knee behind their back and just like, have that sense they look, dude, stop, you know, da, da, da. And if they're trying to blow up or eye gouge me or something, I'd, I'd switch and just put them to sleep and then put them in the recovery position for the gift wrap. Beautiful. And then, yeah, and occasionally they'd, they'd want to blow up again. So you'd sit them up. Put them out again. Wow! Just give them like yeah. Did you ever have to guillotine? Did you ever have to guillotine someone? I haven't. I've, I've um, triangle triangled someone on on George Street <laughs> outside the, the Fortune of War. But, For those that yeah. don't know what a triangle choke is, that's when you're yeah. laying on your back and you have someone in between your legs yeah. and you're choking them with your legs. Yeah. It, it was. It went off like four minutes. It's like I did, it was like doing a fucking jiu-jitsu instructional. I'd kind of he'd grab me in a headlock. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so he could he could grapple? No, he was just a, a big dude, and I just I just started my shift. It was four p.m. in the afternoon. It was daylight. What a way! Rocks. What a way to start your shift. It started over the, like nothing. He like it was so weird. But um, again, in, in talks, so I'm pretty sure. He'd, yeah. Anyway, but he uh, yeah grabbed my head, tried to run me into a pot plant. Uh, these massive concrete planters they had on Joshua. Yeah, he tried to smash my face into that, and I was able to kind of get an underhook, pop behind him, and I, I did like a you know, shunt. So I. Him like like a shunt, slammed him onto his back, uh, took his back. I was putting, it, I was choking out with a rear naked, and then he started tapping. And there was someone there videoing me, and people like the crowd. I had this little crowd around me because I'd been wrestling him for like two minutes. Um, I'd gone from mount. He'd rolled over. I'd taken his back, but he's tapping right. And they go, "Oh, he's tapping! He's tapping!" <laughs> oh my god! And so I let him go, thinking, "Oh, he's tapping!" And he blew up again. And so now I'm underneath, and yeah, oh, shit, popping triangle. On him and I, yeah. Fuck, so he tapped and then... He tapped and then he went again. This thing, like, and normally... And then you were in guard and he was on top of you now. Yeah, and so normally, like, I've had people tap before and you just put them to sleep anyway because it's a street fight. We're not in the gym. But when you've... Again, this is where society's changed. You've got people standing there videoing you and they're only ever going to catch the last 30 seconds where this... Like they didn't. Yeah, it's him. like what? What did that guy do to deserve that behavior? Yeah. Not they're just no like one cares, that man. security guard is overstepping his bounds. No one cares. Like um, I remember at the Beresford one night, this like she was crazy. Like she'd uh, kicked the licensee. She tried to scratch the face. Hot of, though. I can't remember. She wasn't super hot. No. Yeah. It turns out she was a fucking nanny. <laughs> she was. A oh nanny. really? Yeah. But um, I'd restrained her, and it was only lucky two weeks before I'd been bitten. 
um, by someone else. Oh, so I fucking hate that. She was the one that did bite me, so. And then two weeks later, uh, I restrained a woman who had a, it turned out to have a box cutter down her pants in Bondi Junction at the Cock and Bull. Yeah. But if I had this, is, so I should thank the nanny, actually. So if you're out there, nanny, thank you. But she ended up biting me and breaking my skin um, because I was trying to restrain her. But people are videoing me calling me a putrid dog. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> a piece of shit. And You're I'm there. Putrid dog. dog. Yeah, fucking dog. Me. She's screaming at me, trying to fucking pull my eyeballs out with a. With a no, she's trying to scratch my face out. I would fucking break one of her fingers. And I'm, but I'm there talking to these guys, going, "Can't you see? I'm trying." To yeah, like- it's like instead of like helping <laughs> yeah. me, you're just gonna video record me and shit talk me on social media. But I was I was on my back in the concrete, so I'm getting the back of my head, my body, my arms are all scratched up from the bitumen, keeping her on top, so she's safe. I've just had like a kind of like a straight jacket, like two wrist controls. And then she still got her hand up and like took a chunk out of my hand. So three o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in like RPA getting a tetanus shot because I've had a chunk taken out of me. And it turned out, yeah, she had mental health issues and she was a nanny. But uh, yeah, but again, I should thank her because two weeks later, I'm in Bondi Junction and I, I restrained a woman a lot differently because I didn't want to get bitten again. And then when the police arrived, she had this box cutter down her pants. And at the time, I remember so thinking... So you had, you controlled her wrists? I had her. a gift wrap and then I, I held the other hand and so I had like a high and then kind of like a, a knee on belly, but just on the hip. And I remember she kept trying to slip her hand out and I grabbed it again. And, wow. And she, yeah, so had, had I not held... And here's the thing about a trained guard versus an untrained. I promise you, man, there's, there's not many guards that wouldn't have got their face sliced open, mm. you know? And, and whether it would have got to that, but because I had that training, I was able to restrain her in a way where, again, she didn't get hurt. I didn't get hurt. And then the police found the box cutter. And I remember just having this massive dump of adrenaline because I've read all the books. I know what would have happened. I would have got my face cut open. And I may not have died or anything, but, you know, you get a box cutter, sever your, you know, your carotid or your, your fucking femoral artery. It's like, it's not pretty. Is there a, um, yeah. I don't know how to say it, like a federation or a school that looks after guards? And Do you mean like a and, union? Or? And, and, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, is there a, is there like somewhere that guards know where to go to learn jujitsu for their job or something? There's one, one company I know that are training guys well, and it's, it's Opskill. It's this guy Knox and a guy Philippe. Um, Opskill. Yeah, Opskill, yeah. And they're, they're, they're the best I've seen. They're, they're running security courses now. Um, so they're, they're good, you know, they're, they're switched on. They're the only guys I'd recommend. The, so the main mean, problem that, that I've seen, not saying there's not other good guys out there, but they're the, yeah. So I was mean, actually going to say the opposite are, to you because yeah. like there's a lot, mm. there's a lot of people running these like one or two day seminars for like two hundred, two hundred dollars a day, mm. and it's like a scam. They're like learn how to be a better security guard in one day. I'm mm. saying these old school security guards, such as such as yep. yourself, that do have grappling experience, need to get together and do some sort yep. of. Sc- Teach people, man. Yeah, these like, guys are good. Off the way you good. spoke it's about like for them. It's yeah, like, the the way you just mentioned how you um, subdued that woman, mm. and and someone less experienced would have gotten cut open, mm. like that. That you could save someone's life like that. You know, so hard, man. Like again, I don't want to be judgmental, but a lot of people they don't want to learn. Like they don't want to learn. They just don't want to learn, man. Like, like they're there. They're just, yeah. they're just there to pick up some I, money. I, just, I don't think they. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. So that's know. that's another thing you yeah. see in the industry because there's like. When I was when I was working, doing like events and stuff like that, I would have gone Khabib. You know that Khabib from the top, how he reaches under and did you know? That oh, one? the Dagestani handcuff. So it's like you take you hook you hook one leg and then you reach under and you. Yeah. You probably don't know, but anyway, go on, James. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One of one really of the good. things you you don't really see in security is like fit guards. 
like guards that aren't so like CrossFit. No, 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 that don't <laughs> have. No, I'm not, by fit. I mean they don't have. They were like, like tights and shit. Yeah, bro. Um, doing pull ups. Yeah, just before the shift, doing kipping pull ups. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you you don't really see guards that don't like have them. Like most of them have a fucking massive beer gut, and they're like you can tell they're there to collect a paycheck. And a lot of them. Hey, Tank Abbott had a beer gut. You know Tank Abbott? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember Tank Abbott? Yeah. yeah. I love Tank. Yeah. And um, you you just strike up a conversation with them. You're just like, oh, like, do you go to the gym? No. Do you do you run? No. Do you do boxing? No. You ever done a martial art? Oh, I did karate when I was a kid. And you're like, so you do nothing now? But brother, one slap. One fucking and slap. And I'll send anyone flying. I swear to God. Oh, Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. It's getting yeah. worse. But, but yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it's getting worse. Yeah. Man. So the the security company I used to work for, yeah. um, used to subcontract out to a bunch of like Central Coast fucking hicks. Yeah. And all of them like they'd be yeah. their thing was like they'd have a designated driver for the night. One guy would drive up and down from the Central Coast and they'd just have like fucking like a case of beer between them and they'd just drink all the way, all the, all the way back and all the way there. It was just fucking wild. But they sound good. Like I'd, I'd probably trust them to have my back more than plenty of other. <laughs> nah, no, no nah. You worked nah. with them or? Yeah, I worked with them. Yeah. And no, but like they're drinking beers on the way down yeah, and on the way back up. They're just like, and they're all just fucking piss heads that are just like fucking... Massive beer guts and it's like, yeah, man, yeah, fucking, I don't need to fucking train, mate. I fucking just see red and fucking bodies hit the fucking floor. Yeah, but that's just delusional. When people start talking like that, they just, they don't get it, you know. Violence isn't pretty. It doesn't matter how long you train for, you know. It's, um, it, we're all vulnerable. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I think, look, the, the art of it, I think there's nothing better than it when it's done well. Like I said, that professional, but the real art is how do you, See it before it happens, talk the person out or just that preemptive stuff. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the industry, they're trained to be reactive and management and venues, they're, they're this kind of reactive stuff. So something happens and you treat it and we've lost that bit of how do you see it before it happens, you know? Whenever there's an incident, you can rewind the footage and there's usually these kind of warning signs before it happens that that's what guards should be picking up on. How are, are they doing expressing like antisocial behavior? Are they you know, being rude or vulgar towards girls. And that shit shouldn't be tolerated, you know. Um, it just shouldn't be, you know. No, no, yeah. And everyone needs to get on board. Like, bar staff need to communicate if people are being rude to them, you know. You've just got to set the rules, man. Like, th- this is a venue, these are the rules, and, and you're there to enforce them. And that can be done politely and respectfully and give people a warning, but if they don't, get the fuck out. <laughs> if do they you, don't want to get out, like, make them. Do you think yeah. that's up to the venue staff, including the doorman, to build like that culture of hey uh this is our team mm. um you know and look if we've got to use a little bit of violence here or there to yep. like to set a precedent or whatever then maybe we have to like if, i like force i like force so let's use the word force yeah so you've got to use a bit of force how do we right? use force you know because i think yeah how do we use fight for and, and look i should say violence can be beautiful early but i like this idea of force and um yeah, and this, this idea of reasonable force is using the least amount of force necessary to do exactly what you need to do. And so that can be as much as like a hand on the shoulder and guiding someone out of the venue to, you know, yeah, to... And yeah, exactly, 100%. I think everyone's got to get on board. 
but it's so hard, man. Like it's so hard and we're dealing with the human element. And so what we forget is that there is this human component and you might be working without having had a snack, two o'clock in the morning, it's cold. Maybe you've had personal issues that week. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you've got exams due. You know, like there's all this human element that we're then, and people assume like it's like the, the crab thing or the, the, you know, the karate thing where you think, okay, he's going to grab my hand here and I'm going to twist. Like how, how you might think you respond and how you actually respond in a, like in a violent encounter or, or situation, it's just it goes out the window. Like I remember I was in a fight at our Flinders Hotel and there's these five dudes and we're brawling on the street and I just started leg kicking this guy, you know, and like, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, why am I leg kicking? <laughs> it's just, you can do weird shit in fights. and Leg kicks are good. Like, yeah, I yeah. used to think that. I'm not a big fan now because um, with adrenaline and drugs, like it's hard to drop a guy. And then What about calf kicks? Did you get the calf this kicks? Dude, yeah. like, this guy wouldn't have walked maybe a month afterwards. I ended yeah. up clenching. My friend had, a, had him in a tie clinch from the front. And I hadn't seen how it had started. Turns out um, they'd smashed a vase on my head, on the head of the Jesus company's Christ. head. Uh, he, it was lucky he was wearing like one of those golfer hats, so it didn't shred his head to pieces. But um, so I've come out. He's got him in a tie clinch, and I've ended up like no, he didn't have him in the tie clinch yet. I'd stepped off and gone to sweep him, and I've, I've kicked his back leg, and he just he, he just wore it. He didn't go down. I thought, well, that fucked up. But then my mate clinched him when I did that. And then I had him on the side. And I was just doing these like flying knees into his into his Live, thigh. Oh, his thigh, yeah. Yeah, his thigh, but thinking that would drop him, but it didn't. And, um, yeah, maybe yeah. if you went a bit lower. Maybe. Could have hit yeah. the nerve. Hit the knee, the yeah. Ca- the yeah. calf kick. What about calf tapes? Kick. Have you ever had to tape anyone? Like What's front kick? Oh, push, push kick, kick, push kick. I haven't, but um, this Philippe has used it effectively. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. possible. Um, I think a tape kick would be pretty effective. Yeah, but then, then what do you do? So I think... Yeah, um, because they're going to come back. Well, they're going to come back or yeah there's all different ways so you can use like again this is this science to it like a little shove or one of those kicks would create distance but you could use it to set off their adrenaline or trigger their fight or flight response so one you can just yell at someone you just i've learned how to just like kind of put your hand and kind of almost <laughs> i don't know like intimidate some, yeah De- intimidate but, but it can set something De- maybe that's touch? like a dragon ball z just, yeah, but, yeah um yeah, there's all different things. These are not do. the droids you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had to use one of I them? Do, I used to do that to people. Oh, yeah, said, yeah. Yes, you do want to go home. And I've actually... <laughs> this is not the pub you want to come into. <laughs> I did it once. I was working with this guy. and Because I, I did, yeah. Yes, you do want to go home. And I did the Jedi. The <laughs> and the guy just looked at me. And he just kind of nodded, turned around and walked oh, off. Shit. And the guy that I was working with just goes, oh, you're were you, fucked. Were you, convi- <laughs> were you convinced you were a Jedi at that no, point? No, I got it. No. I did it so many times where it didn't work. I, I used to be. <laughs> I feel like it would have the opposite effect. Yeah. I used to do so many things, and this is where I'd upset some people. <laughs> but sometimes I was doing them tactically, sometimes I was just bored. But so, if for instance, I'd be nice, I'd say, Look, I'm sorry, you can't come in. But if they wanted to argue, I'd, I've learned that you can't reason with an unreasonable person. And I think people make the mistake and they exhaust themselves because you're trying to use logic with a person that isn't responding to logic. So instead, I'd start saying, Look, man, it's not you, it's me. Um, just to, yeah, just you know, to, yeah, yeah. I'm just going through this I'm time sorry. of my life right I'm now. Sorry, baby. Look, you know what? I say that we'll always be friends. You know, we're just, <laughs> you know what? There's, they they <laughs> use that in hypnosis too. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, because there's something there that, um, because it's so unexpected. Yeah. It can. Conf- it actually like a pattern interrupt. From yeah, the, it's a pattern yeah. interrupt, and it yeah. causes confusion in the brain, and then it makes them more suggestible. Well, the other one, Dan. I still love you. Cross and stuff. You get a lot of like yeah. crazy people. Um, I don't want to say freak, but this tactic I call like out freaking the freak. So they'll come up and start raging at you or yelling. And 
again, if you try to reason with them, it just makes them more unreasonable. So I'd start talking about how hard it is being a white heterosexual man in today's society, how I'm oppressed by all the powers that be, that I've got a pet unicorn. Just start like just fucking dribbling. Wow. And it freaks them out because they're not used to someone being freakier than they are. So start you can, talking about chemtrails and yeah, vaccines. You can out-freak the freak. But again, it's that same kind of thing, like just not trying to waste your energy reasoning with an unreasonable person. And, and that might mean just not talking to them. Just step back and just say, look, dude, we're done. You know, and just stop wasting your energy. But again, it's very hard now where... Everyone's the most important person in the room. Someone can jump on Facebook, write a complaint. If you if you do any of these unconventional kind of things, and then like, and everyone's just so sensitive. But they surely, if, if you've got if, a job to do, if we tell enough people to go fuck themselves, shouldn't that fix the problem? Look, I think there's a time to tell someone to go fuck himself, and you should be allowed yeah, to do yeah. that. But if you'd say it now and get in an industry where someone might be yelling racist stuff at you, screaming at them, abusing you. But then you tell them to fuck off and they're going to write a Facebook thing and they get sent a $300 gift voucher to go and eat at the venue. So like, like yeah, wow. they come back into the venue, but you're not there. Yeah. So they win. And you get moved. And you get moved to another venue because you've sworn at a patron and then they've complained and they get a, a, a bloody steak voucher and you get moved to another venue. Even though, that, you know, like it's just wild, man. You see some crazy shit. And, and again, it's not to say that guards haven't abused their power, haven't been excessive or aggressive, all that kind of stuff either. But where do you where do you find the yeah what's what's right? Mm. But uh, but look, it's again we've got an issue where guards aren't feeling safe going to work, and they're getting hurt, and there's there's trauma there, man, and there's a lack of respect, and and from my observation, it's gotten worse over the last yeah to the point where I think it's a very hard job, and no one seems to give a fuck or care or just realize just what a fucking crazy job it is. You, you're put there. Like, police have a tool belt, man. They've got pepper sprays and <laughs> fucking tasers and guns, right? You're there to control the same kind of, like, aggressive people without any tools, without any additional powers, without adequate support, without adequate training. And then if it goes wrong, you get moved to a venue or, like, lose your license or get charged. It's like, what the fuck? And, and you're there doing it all night. Police don't well, I was at venues, we, we're getting a dozen fights a night. Like I was working at King's Cross Hotel or the Ivy. We've got 4,000 people coming through the door and you're dragging out 50 people a night. So now your adrenaline's getting spiked too all night and, you, and you're doing that for 10 hours without a, a break sometimes. And what's, what's the reasoning behind not giving you guys weapons or tasers or something like that? Oh. <laughs> Se- <laughs> yeah. Secure- so Someone it, it's the, badly. it was like um, Rich was saying, it's just the training element because a lot of guards don't want to self-improve themselves. Like they're like- Do they want to self-improve other people? Maybe their faces, <laughs> Sorry, but- yeah. um, oh, so You used to be allowed to use handcuffs. I don't know if this batons. is true. Yeah, there used to be batons. Used to be. I don't know if it's true. I was told that in Queensland, someone- handcuffed a guy to, to a pole to arrest and then the people came back and bashed him like, i've heard right, stories right. like that again like p- most 95 percent of the industry you wouldn't want to give them a weapon they're they're dangerous they're enough <laughs> they're dangerous yeah, yeah. enough without weapons so again, i don't know where you draw the line PTSD but the same with like yeah. police should they be running around with weapons man like the the numpty shit i've seen police do it's like fucking hell um what should we give them it's up <sighs> Water pistols. Yeah. Water pistols. I think it's got to start with communication training yeah. and it's got to start with what I'd call it from the mental health, like self-regulation. So how do you make sure you've had enough sleep, mm. like food to eat, that you're calm, that you know how to kind of react under pressure. And that means having done some training where you're put under pressure, under real pressure and see how you're going to respond. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of industries that, that need mm. that. 
Yeah. Yeah, like nurses, teachers. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know how teachers man. do it, man. Ah, oh, teachers, that's another conversation. That's like an impossible job. It is, you right? You get 30 people that you've got to hold the attention of that. And nowadays, where they're, they've only got a three to seven second attention Fucking span. insane, right? When, and then a bunch of them have undiagnosed mental health issues, or maybe there's trauma, or God knows what's going on in the home. Um, of different you know, intellectual capacities, like motivation levels, interest in the subject, and you've got to maintain their concentration for a day or for an yeah, hour. Yeah, crazy, or right? It it's fucking it's ridiculous. Crazy. There should be 30 teachers and one student. You know? Well, I reckon they should just... I reckon... So, whatever. One to two teachers per 20, 30 kids. I reckon that's doable. But, like, why should you have to do that all day? Mm. Have two or three classes and then go home, you know? Yep. Like, why are you working six, seven hours? Like, mm. it's too, it's too much. Like, do, do, do two, do three classes max. Don't do like six classes. Mm. Don't you reckon? I reckon it needs to be broken up and into actual life skills, but also like, why aren't we teaching these kids how to like fucking garden and like invest we- in crypto and shit? <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. and how to make a fans only page. Yeah, only fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they already know that they can teach yeah. it. Yeah. You just need Instagram for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why aren't they teaching kids how to like... Just what, when do your OnlyFans come out? Other, bro, no one's going to fucking pay for my OnlyFans. You've Fuck got, off, You've dickhead. got two guys right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> be your first customers. First Fuck yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the boys. Um, no, but like... <laughs> maybe like looking after animals. That's like just yeah. basic shit. But like something that... Like how much would these kids actually pay attention if you brought a dog in and it's like... And the dog taught you maths. <laughs> no, Come on, bro. I'd fucking... Well, that's it. Andy. Look, it's, yeah, it's a neurotypical dog. to jump back to that ADHD. The school's not designed for your ADHD kids or for kids that don't fit into that very strict box. So I was kicked out of five high schools. Um, and they're, and they're so quick to just be like, if you're a little bit disrupted, get the fuck out. Well, look, in their fairness, they did give me a lot of chances. <laughs> but by the end of school, all I knew that I wasn't good at anything. Even the things I thought I was good at when I'd started school, I'd realize I wasn't good at anything, you know? So when I found drugs and I thought, here's something I can actually be good at. But uh, school just fucked my self-esteem and a oh, horrible, man. Horrible. Because when you're horrible. at school, all you think about is like, if I'm shit here, I'm going to be shit for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that- I didn't think about that. You didn't know. Oh, well, fucking aren't you fucking special cunt? <laughs> what did, what I didn't did, think that. What did you think? Yeah. Uh, like, did you get in trouble at school or did you? Not really. Um, I mean, I you just talked about crypto. Uh, no, no, no. I got in like the normal amount of trouble, but I didn't get kicked out of schools or anything. Like I did all right. Yeah. Um, Were you good at sport though? Uh, yeah. I played a lot of basketball yeah. and I... Um, and your parents pretty cool? Or? Yeah, they're pretty sweet. Like I was lucky to have sweet parents, you yeah. know? So you're good and parents and you're good at... You, you've, you've I was naturally found a way to get self-esteem. And I was mad at video games too. And, yeah. so, so you've got their... Two things to at least develop some self-esteem because you're not getting in mathematics class and you're not getting it in you know, English class. But it, yeah, so, so for, again, for these like kids that aren't neurotypical, how do we find some things that whether it's jujitsu, whether it's yeah. wrestling, roller skating, like, you know, a musical instrument, how do you get them self-esteem if they're not getting it in that, in that traditional right, structure right. Okay. Be my, for, for parents, you know, and then trying to have stability. Which can be hard as well because if the kid's got ADHD, there's a good chance that one or both of the parents have it too. So how effective have they been learnt, learnt how to manage that? And, I, I'd love you know. to. I'd love to introduce jujitsu into schools. Like yeah, I, they've done it in United Emirates, which is yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Is that a, what's United Emirates? Arab Emirates. Dubai, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. What Dubai, about in like, Sydney, bro? Like, yeah, look, because we've got footy. The thing can is, we make money? What from I have this realized group? though, like, yes. I used to think jujitsu is for everyone, and it's not. There's people that don't like jujitsu. Well, they can. <laughs> well, they can learn boxing. boxing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, they can be wrong. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah, their fault. That's their problem. But in the past, I would have said, look, everyone should be doing yoga. Everyone should be doing jujitsu. But it's just look doing something and having, yeah, yeah, doing something. Uh, I think jujitsu is amazing uh, for so many reasons for kids. Yeah, particularly neurodiverse kids. But yeah, well, I'm teaching um, yeah. I'm teaching kickboxing now to like uh, people with disability. Yeah, and yes, it's pretty yeah. sick. So yeah, I've got like cool. I've got autistic students, people with Down syndrome, people with Aspergers. Yeah. I've got physically disabled students with even cerebral palsy, people yeah, with wheelchairs, yeah. and it, it's sick, bro. Yeah, They're grading sick. and everything. So it's the most awesome shit and, and like I can see it's really improving their lives so 100% yeah I'd love to be able to take that into like um, like schools with like more disadvantaged kids I think that'd be really sick eh? mm. I think that's, yeah but that, where's the money in that there's there's money in it bro you know the government is really pushing money towards that sort of thing mm. um, I don't know how it is with disadvantaged schools but like the NDIS gets NDIS. a lot of money man yeah. like a lot of money yeah things are changing which yeah is cool. which is good it's good, yeah. Yeah, because um, I guess that they're seeing value in it now because and jujitsu and martial arts is becoming way more prevalent in life. Like I remember when I grow when I was growing up, the only jujitsu school was fucking SPMA, and now there's one on every block, like a McDonald's. Do you think it'll plateau and fade out? I th- like, I think jujitsu. Yeah, is I, it like, you know, like karate in the you know. Back I think, in I think it's Angeles, like what used to be in every shopping mall, and then it kind of. I think it's away. getting. I think we're only hitting like we're on the up now, mm. because I think that once it get, I think schools are going to start accepting it. Then schools will have like school competitions, like inter school regional, yeah. and then it'll go up from there. I reckon. Mm. I think the reason why karate didn't take off because like the karate kids used to get like taken out by the rugby kids and shit you know and they realize mm. oh shit the and the boxers used to fuck them up it's like oh the karate didn't work yeah, but now once kids are realizing like shit this guy's tapping everyone out every mm. every time he gets into the fight at like, school he takes and, people down and this little like nerdy kid yeah he's like beating the six foot rugby player he's inverting and, he's and shit like, yeah 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 jiu-jitsu works jiu-jitsu fucking works man jiu-jitsu i think yeah anyone and i love wrestling too where do you where do you train at now bro um, um, over for Paul Smybert in Balmain and, and Joel Costello at Gracie in Balmain. Gracie Balmain. Yeah. yeah they're, okay. They're, okay. They're, they're cool guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool dudes. Really cool dudes. I remember both those guys for like a decade. Do they take drop-ins? Really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. disregard what's happening right shit? now. Oh, at the moment. No, <laughs> yeah. everything's shut down at the moment. We'll have to have a roll sometime, dude. Yeah. Maybe we'll come yeah, down to, to great if they got open mat. Yeah, they got open mat. We'll come down to the TP. Yeah. We've got a Sunday open mat down at five dock, two yeah, o'clock. Cool. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah man, that'd be really cool. I think, uh, yeah, it's awesome today, guys. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, no, no, thanks cool. for coming on. Yep. Thanks All for good. coming. Thanks heaps, man. Yep. Good guys, man.